What's up, guys, and welcome back to the Last Take Sports Podcast. And today we are joined by sports reporter at the Stockton Record, Justin Fromer. And Justin, why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Uh, well, I come from uh, West Bloomfield, Michigan, just like you guys. Um, went to West Bloomfield High School, graduated in 2016, uh, went to Michigan State for a journalism degree, uh, just graduated in this past December, and uh, made my way out to Stockton, California to uh, be a sports reporter at the Stockton Record for my uh, first position out of college. So, Justin, you mentioned uh, you went to Michigan State to get your journalism degree. So, for how long? Did you realize, and when did you realize you really wanted to be a journalist? Well, my freshman year at West Bloomfield, um, I was on the football team, the freshman football team, and um, I realized I did not like it. <laughs> we were not good, and um, the freshman coach at the time was not the greatest, so I did not enjoy that experience. And um, one day after practice, uh, the principal at the time, Mr. Watson, came up to me and said that we needed someone to be the uh, PA announcer for football games and basketball games. And so I ended up doing that, and I really enjoyed it. Um, so I ended up being the, the PA announcer, you know, the guy who, who is really loud during the game stuff uh, for, for pretty much every sport at West Bloomfield High School. And my original goal was to be a PA announcer for at a, at a professional stadium of some sort. Um, then I got to college and realized when I started going to some classes that uh, I really enjoyed the writing side of things. So that's when I started getting into more of the journalism reporting sort of stuff. And that's uh, how it all started. Yeah. Do you have like any people that like you've looked up to in the journalism business, like bigger reporters? Um, I'd say just the, the local Detroit writers at the Free Press and the Detroit News who I would read. Um, one, one person that I know I've talked to a lot since I started was Jeff Seidel, who works at the um, Detroit Free Press because I went to college, or college, I went to high school with uh, two of his kids. And uh, so I talked to, would talk to him a lot when I first started. And then as I went to Michigan State, met more people, uh, the likes of Chris Solari, at the Free Press, Nate Atkins at Lansing State Journal, Grant Couch at the Lansing State Journal. Uh, those guys became uh, somewhat of mentors to me as well. Yeah. So, Justin, during this pandemic, obviously, it's probably a little tough to do your job because you can't really go into the office or anything. So what do you think has been the most difficult part of doing your job through this? Uh, probably not be able to do in-person interviews for the most part. Everything has to be over the phone. And normally when uh, sports are, are a normal day-to-day -day operation, you pretty much have a set schedule every day of knowing that there's going to be a game to go cover, there's going to be a story to do, where now when my coverage is more focused on coronavirus stuff and how that is impacting everyday people you got to come up with your own story ideas and find out yourself how how the coronavirus is affecting people and, and finding finding stories that way rather than having built-in stories pretty much every day yeah you mentioned that you had to do a lot of 
interviews over the phone and whatnot. And as the hardest part kind of been writing with over the phone conversations, not having to actually see them in person. No, I wouldn't say that's the that's the hardest part. It's just a different, it's a, just an inconvenience more than anything. Where you get you get more out of your interviews when you when you're looking at the person and, and watching their facial expressions. That's probably a big component that you learn in college in journalism that they don't that that many people will learn about it as they go through more things. Is that when you're looking at people and they you see how they react to certain questions and when they're talking and you see them get excited or you see them get depressed that's a big part of the story as well yeah you mentioned how you can't write anything about sports right now because there are no sports going on right now so i could imagine how difficult that may be just trying to come up with stories that you normally would have but you don't have anymore since there's nothing really going on well well there there's there's some sports stuff going on for example uh, obviously, you don't have games and stuff, but you have hundreds of thousands of seniors across the country who couldn't play their last seasons because because their season got well, Those are all stories. You have colleges that are losing millions of dollars, hundreds and thousands of dollars, excuse me, uh, in revenue losses because there's no sports going on right now. You have uh, seniors in college whose careers are over that have to either then go into the real life or or make their way into the pro rankings um because their season's ended so there is sports stories it's just not the everyday look of sports that you normally get yeah you mentioned before that you did uh attend michigan state university uh for college and I assume you probably were a, you paid attention a lot to this year's basketball team, and you saw how this year's tournament was canceled. But how do you think this year's team would have done in the tournament? Um, I was fairly confident by by midseason. I thought they were going to lose in this round of thirty two. They'd win one game and then probably lose in round thirty two. But by season's end, I was fairly confident that they were at minimum going to go to the final four and probably as long as they didn't run into Kansas win the national championship, to be honest. They were all playing their best ball. Cassius Winston was playing great. Xavier Tillman was playing like the best power forward center in the country. Rocco Watts was coming along as a backup point guard, as a uh, defensive guy at the point guard position. Aaron Henry was starting to get it going with his athleticism. Um, Malik Hall was playing really well, so I thought they were playing as well as anybody in the country. Yeah, when you attended Michigan State, it was obviously easier for you to watch the games because you were obviously right there in person. So is it a drastic difference watching it on TV than in person? Well, the biggest difference is when you're, when you're, when you're at the games as a reporter, you're not allowed to cheer and stuff. So you have to really separate yourself as being a fan and then being objective. So that was when I first started being a reporter. That was like the biggest thing for me was having to contain my myself as a fan, where now that I'm away from covering Michigan State, I can be a fan again at least a little bit until until one day where I can't be a fan again. So, so when you were at the games, you were, you were there as a reporter, right, for the basketball games. So where would you typically sit during those games? Because normally as a student, if you attended those games, you would sit right in the student section. But for you... Was that different? Well, there's some there's some reporters that sit like on the baseline right off the court. 
Um, that's where most reporters sit. That's where I sat for most games as well. And then for bigger games, for example, when Duke was here, uh, and there's media coverage from ESPN coming in from pretty much every national uh, network. They have to increase the seating, which pushes back student journalism, student journalists a little bit, and they get seating, um, not upper deck, but but in between on the on the main level sort of thing. Yeah, you said you uh, were at that Duke game, but in terms of going to some of the bigger games, what would you say is the biggest environment you've seen for a Michigan State game over the years you went to State? A home game, away game, home. Or, or anything. Home a home game? game? Um, I'd have to say either Duke this year for sure or last year when they when Michigan State beat Michigan to win the Big Ten title on the last day on senior day. That was a wild, a wild scene for sure. To to follow up uh, that question, do you have a like a crazy story about a crazy environment, possibly in a way crowd, like one that stands out to you? Uh, for I got a couple for sure. Well, I was at, I was at the Final Four uh, last year when they lost to Texas Tech. Um, I had, that was the second time I'd ever been to the Final Four. The last time was when Michigan State played North Carolina in 2009 at Ford Field National Championship. But I don't really remember much of that other than me being there. In terms of actually being at the Final Four and, and remembering it, that was pretty surreal for sure. Um, being at Ohio State Stadium a couple of times is always a great experience just because that stadium is insane. It's huge. It's it's equivalent to college football. When you think of college football, you think of Ohio State and Ohio State Stadium for sure. Um, freshman year, I went uh, to Notre Dame Stadium when Michigan State played at Notre Dame. Again, that's just another one of those historical campuses, historical stadiums that gives you the chills a little bit. And then this past year, I went to the Michigan State at Wisconsin football game, and that was the first time experiencing uh, jump around when all the students and the, and the Wisconsin fans go nuts, and I was in the press box for that, and the press box was shaking. That's how crazy it was. So that, that, that's, that's some of my, my more memorable moments for sure. Yeah, you mentioned uh, a little bit about college football. And as we all, as Michigan State fans know, we did have the resignation of D'Antonio and the hiring of Mel Tucker. So what are your thoughts on those two things happening? Um, well, for Mark D'Ant- on the Mark D'Antonio side of things, uh, I thought that it had to be done. You can't go seven and six, seven and six in two straight years fail to make any coaching changes for the most part and and act like you can come back again. It's unfortunate because he provided the, some of the best sports moments of my life because I, I went to the Rose Bowl. I was at the Big Ten championship game when they beat Ohio State. I was there when they beat Iowa. So it's very unfortunate that it had to end the way that it did, but that it, it simply had to. You can't go seven and six, seven and six, and and expect to retain your job. Um, on the flip side, on the Mel Tucker side of things, I thought he was the best of a bad situation. And what I mean by that is, if when you're searching for a coach in February, you're going to struggle to find 
your choice A and choice B candidates. And I thought they had their choice A candidate, Luke Fickle. I thought that that's who they were going to get. It looked like that's who they were going to get. And when he turned it down, I thought Michigan State was in, in some trouble. So the fact that they were able to get Mel Tucker uh, last minute, uh, I thought it was very impressive. And I think so far, recruiting-wise, it's paid dividends considering he hasn't been able to bring recruits on campus and he's already gotten six commits for the 2021 class. Um, I really like what he did with the coaching staff, bringing back Ron Burton and Mike Tressel, who have been two key components on the uh, defensive coaching staff. I thought bringing in Darian Harris as a as a player personnel guy was smart. Bringing in an old player, I thought Scott, getting Scott Hazelton as defensive coordinator from Kansas State looks like a great hire because he's got NFL coaching experience. So for the most part, I think with the limited time and issues he's had considering the coronavirus, he's done a pretty good job. Yeah, and you mentioned uh, NFL experience. Some of the coaching staff has a ton of that. And I saw something where it said that the coaching staff in total has about 80-something years of experience, whether it's coaching or playing in the NFL. So I think that's a huge win for Michigan State there. Also, you mentioned recruiting and how Mel Tucker has done a fairly good job for recruits not even being able to step on campus right now. And I've heard recruits talking about the huge difference between D'Antonio's and Mel Tucker's recruiting styles because D'Antonio would, was not as involved. And they said, Tucker, when you step on campus, he makes you feel welcomed. Like There were some stories where saying when recruits walked in buildings, everyone would stand up and give them an ovation, clapping with applause. And that just makes them feel more welcomed. And a lot of players said they didn't really feel that with D'Antonio. So I think Tucker will be huge for recruiting in the next couple years. I don't think that you'll see immediate impact right away. I mean, you're seeing some of it right now with their six commits in the 2021 class. But I don't think it will be immediate. But once that uh, coaching staff gets in a groove and this team starts performing way better, I think you'll see a lot of those recruits come rolling in. Yeah, I agree. And and the fact that he's gotten Michigan State back in the conversation for some big-name players, for example, Donovan Edwards at West Bloomfield, who was almost a guarantee to go to Ohio State or Michigan. And now Michigan State's back in the conversation because of the work Mel Tucker has done. Yeah, let's get a little bit back to what you you have done. And in college, you did have an internship at 24-7 Sports. And that's like a big, it's really big recruiting nationally. So can you tell us a little bit how it was writing a paper for them? Well, I was the intern for the Michigan State beat writer. His name is Stephen Brooks. He still works there now. And that was the first true professional internship and, uh, I guess, beat writer that I worked alongside. And he, I, I mean, he really showed me what, what I need to do to find the right stories, for example. And um, so I, I didn't do much in terms of recruiting with, with that. But in terms of being on the Michigan State beat with him, he really was key in showing me the ropes of, of how to be a beat writer at a major college uh, program. Yeah, going back to a little about a little bit about recruiting, uh, Michigan State's class this year for football, we wouldn't say necessarily is the best. But what are some guys like that you think 
could shock a lot of people and be a lot better than people think they would. For 2021 or the one that just came in? The one that just came in. Uh, to be honest, I, I got to take a look again at, at who they got. Um, if you give me a second, I can bring it up. Yeah, this uh, for this year, uh, I don't think it was too impressive, to be honest, because I saw that they had 22 three-star commits, I believe, and zero four or five-star commits. And I think that's possibly due to D'Antonio uh, being uh, or resigning, because I, I really don't think there's many people who were recruiting or doing a good job of recruiting, at least, for this 2020 class. So... I, for me, I don't see anyone really being a standout right away. But I think uh, as the years developed, I think uh, Tucker could develop these players, these three-star players, to be a little better than what people might think. Well, just just looking at the class, um, I think Darius Snow, that, that's probably the big one that's going to be standing out to a lot of Michigan State fans' minds just because, one, he's a, a legendary player. Uh, a legacy player, excuse me, uh, and he looks like a guy that athletically can be a linebacker or play safety, and is already showing a lot of the traits that you want from a team captain. So he looks like a future team captain guy. Um, look at a guy like Dallas Fincher, another legacy player uh, who could be a big guy, six four, two seventy five on the offensive line. Um, so if I remember, just going through the. Recruiting recruiting cycle during during the year this past year, those were the two guys that probably stuck out not to my eye the most. Yeah, uh, mentioning a little bit about recruiting, this is a little more about basketball. A lot of Michigan State fans have been looking for uh, news about Kareem Mains and how that could fill out Michigan State's roster this year. So, what would you say the chances of Michigan State pulling Kareem Mains in this year are? I would say, I mean, my opinion-wise, I'd say it's probably 50-50 just because he's one of those candidates for the new NBA G League development program that they're looking to sign. Uh, he's been heavily recruited by Marquette, and Marquette just brought in uh, a transfer point guard, uh, DJ Carton, from Ohio State. So I, to be honest, right now, I think it's to the point where if it's not the NBA uh, G League development program, it's going to be... Um, Michigan State, but you look at the contracts that some of these guys who go into the program are getting five hundred thousand dollars, four hundred thousand dollars to play one year and with with NBA level guys and learn how to be a pro and learn how to um, learn how to, to budget your money and act like a pro. That's a very enticing offer. So that's probably, if anything, is going to keep away from Michigan. State. That's what's going to be it. So. Justin, this year, obviously, Cassius Winston is departing from Michigan State as he was a senior, and Xavier Tillman Sr. actually just declared for the NBA draft not too long ago. So how do you think this 2020 recruiting class will possibly replace Cassius Winston and Xavier Tillman? Do you think they'll, they'll do a good job of that or maybe any immediate impact from those recruits? Well, Xavier Tillman still has the option to come back. He has not signed his uh, signed with an agent yet. I think he's going to stay in the draft because he's probably going to be a first-round pick. But he does have the option to come back. Um, 
when you look at the two, the two players that Michigan State signed, A.J. Hoggard's like a big-body guard, a point guard that can um, handle the ball, uh, distribute the ball and score when he wants. And that's what you want uh, with Rocket Watts probably stepping into the starting point guard role. And for a team that should not have as much trust in Foster Lawyer, which, to be honest, it hasn't so far. And you expect if that trend with what Foster Lawyer has done continues, then A.J. Harvard's going to be getting a good amount of minutes at, uh, at point guard. Um, Matty Sissoko, who's a big-body uh, power forward center, seems like a guy that can come in and contribute in some sort of fashion right away. And you look at someone who's not in the recruiting class but will be playing his first year at Michigan State this year is uh, Joey Hauser. A lot of people forget about him after he sat out last year. Um, that's going to be a big difference maker for, for this for Michigan State going um, going into this year. And another another component that people are also forgetting about is that may not, most likely will not happen, but if he chooses, Josh Lankford can come back for another year as well. So there's a lot of there's a lot of still question marks and unknowns around what Michigan State is going to be looking like at the start of uh, next season. Yeah, considering what we have right now, if you had to make a starting lineup prediction, what would you believe that would be right now? If it's currently what the roster is right now, Langford sta- or Langford decides to go, Xavier Tillman decides to go. I think you're going to have Raga Watts at the point. You're going to have Aaron Henry at the two. You're going to have probably Gabe Brown or Malik Hall at the three. And then you'll have, uh, if it's Gabe Brown at the three, you'll have Malik Malik Hall at the four, Joey Hauser at the five. If it's Malik Hall at the three, I think you'll have uh, Joey Hauser at the four and Marcus Bingham at the five. Yeah, so do you not see any of the freshmen really having a starting role? Because right now, I would say, right now at the forward positions, I think we're pretty deep, but I don't think anyone's really stand like stood out right now as a starter, besides maybe Hauser right now and a little bit of Malik Hall. Do you think uh, Sissoko could get legitimate playing time as a freshman, knowing that Xavier Tillman, who was the star forward for Michigan State, is most likely departing? That may be tough, just because he's also got Thomas Kithier and uh, Julius Marble in front of him as well, who got minutes last year, as well as Marcus Bingham. So it may be tough for him to get to get. He may have, in my opinion, he's probably going to have the role that Julius Marble had this year, where uh, unfortunately he's going to be uh, a guy if they if someone's in foul trouble to come in and pick up a foul or or so something like that, and then play limited minutes just because there are so many people in front of them. And with the other recruit, A.J. Hoggard, how do you think his role will play with the team, having a, a lot more experience uh, in the guard position rather than starting a, or playing a freshman a lot in A.J. Hoggard? Um, I think he's going to end up being the primary backup point guard. Uh, I just I can't see Foster Lawyer getting more than two or three minutes a game, unfortunately. He's just not athletically good enough to do that. He hasn't produced enough to do that. So I think Hoggard's going to be a guy that will be the primary backup point guard for Rocket Watts with the occasion of playing alongside him off the ball at the two. Yeah, I just want to ask you a little question. When you were at West Bloomfield doing the basketball games, did you see um, Foster Lawyer play at Clarkson Hall? 
I did not see Foster Lawyer play. Um, the two best, three best players that I saw play when I was at West Bloomfield was Monte Morris, who is currently on the Denver, Nugget, Denver Nuggets. He played a playoff game when he played for uh, Flint Beecher um, at West Bloomfield. And that game he played in was actually against uh, Josh Jackson, uh, who ended up going to Kansas and was drafted in the top five in the NBA draft. I'm not sure what team he's on now. But he used to play for Detroit Consortium, and that was a big, uh, big-time uh, matchup, having those two guys play against each other. And then uh, I also saw in another playoff game when he was at Rochester High School was James Young, who uh, uh, went on to Kentucky, uh, went to the national championship, and then got drafted by the Celtics, I believe, in the first round. And I don't think he's in the NBA anymore, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, um, leading to your, could you say who are your top two or even favorite bas- MSU basketball and MSU football players of all time? Ooh, um, for basketball, I'd have to say Cassius Winston won. He's was a pleasure to watch, and um, I'd say probably Draymond Green number two for basketball. For football. Um, football's a little tougher. I think uh, I think Darquez Denard was, was maybe in my top two. Um, Kirk Cousins probably there as well. Connor Cook. Um, a lot more choices for that one. Aaron Burbridge for sure. That that one's a little tougher to whittle down to two. Le'Veon Bell too. He was he was definitely a, a great one to watch. He he had a couple highlights. I I personally remember of him hurdling defenders, and I've just never seen that from a guy at his size. So Absolutely. that Le'Veon Bell really stood out to me. Oh yeah, yep, he stood out as well. Um, like at other guys like B.J. Cunningham, Mark Dell, uh, Shalee Calhoun. All those guys are very uh, very. Uh, good choices if you were to pick top two players in the in this recent era. As you said before, you obviously have a career in journalism, but what would you say like the most interesting or memorable sports story you've written about has been? The most interesting or memorable sports story that I've written about uh, this past year for football before Mark Antonio was would have won his uh, uh, whatever number would have been the the number to become the winningest all time coach at Michigan State, it would have been the Arizona State game. And um, I wrote a story before that game, just about rather not him as a coach, but how, why all the players that have come through since he's been here wanted to play for him, why they why they chose to come to Michigan State. And for that story, I was able to talk with Darian Harris. I was able to talk with Darquez Denard. I was able to talk with uh, Tuan Jones, Aaron Burbridge, um, Donovan Clark, who was an offensive lineman at the time on the team, uh, a couple older players back in, during the first couple years that D'Antonio was here. And uh, I reached out to Justin Lane. Unfortunately, he didn't respond back. But um, being able to talk with some of those guys was a about just about their experience at Michigan State was a pretty pretty cool pretty cool deal. Yeah, when when you write the reports that you do, how how hard is it to turn off your fandom and actually not have so many so much bias to Michigan State? 
it's not that hard when when you're writing just because you just you're listening to what the players say and you're just reporting what they say pretty much um the hardest part for me was during my freshman and sophomore year was just sitting at the game not being able to to react to things that was the hardest part but that by junior by junior and senior year i was i was over that pretty quickly yeah, if there's no further questions, uh, I think I think we're good to end it. If anybody else has any questions. No, before we go, is there anything uh, you want to plug in about maybe where the listeners could find your writings? Yeah, if you want if you want to uh, look at some California sports stuff if you're interested in just sports in general, uh, you can go on the Stockton Record website, which is recordnet.com, or sorry, R-E-C-O-R-D-N-E-T.com. And then also I have a Twitter, which I normally post uh, most to all of my stories, at Justin B. Fromer. Yeah, once again, uh, we'd like to thank you, Justin, for joining us today. And as always... Uh, Thank you listeners for listening to the podcast and we'll see you next time in the last take sports podcast.